Hello, you're listening to season two of Everyday Creative People. I'm your host, Dina Adrians, and this podcast is all about the question, what does it mean to live a life driven by curiosity, creativity, and love over fear? Each week, you can tune in to hear me discussing various topics related to this question with leaders, artists, and entrepreneurs who are each living out this pursuit in their own unique ways. When you've finished listening to today's show, please take a moment to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast, leave a comment, and tell a friend. You can find all the show notes over at dinaadriance.com slash ecppodcast. Now settle in, get comfy, and enjoy the show. another episode of Everyday Creative People. I'm here today with my friend and former coach and former classmate, Todd Emus, uh, who is a serial entrepreneur. He has built multiple businesses, is currently coaching other people to build their businesses, um, and uh, I think is somebody who is living a creative life in a variety of different ways, taking leaps into the unknown. Uh, and Todd and I um, went through our coaching training together. So I'm super excited to chat with him about his journey and uh, what creativity looks like in his life. So Todd, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks, Tina. So great to be with you. Yeah. So I'm going to start by just asking you if you can... Um, Give a little introduction to yourself. So, you know, I gave my introduction, but what do you want us to know about you? Sure. Yeah, I, um, I've i always kind of believed that I need to be uh, or have chosen, I guess, to be an entrepreneur. I, it seemed like the only way I really could uh, do what I really wanted to do with my life. And um, a big part of that was as a company that I founded in Los Angeles called 2020, that was about an eight-year journey, and from that, really came to to notice that what I love is um, supporting leaders. Uh, at the time, it was leaders in our team, and since then, has really kind of shifted to, to finding other leaders and other organizations, people determined to do big things with their life, who um, know that they can't do it on their own, and really want some support on that. So, have been. I guess the, the title is executive coach. I don't always love, uh, love all the baggage that maybe comes with that, but, um, really being with people on a regular basis to help them sort through challenges, seize opportunities and see new possibilities. And that's, uh, that's the gig today. So, yeah. Cool. Can you explain what's the story behind? Like, so a few years ago before you and I met, uh, you sort of decided to take a big leap and, shift from uh, running a business to, I mean, running a new business as a coach, <laughs> um, to invest in coaching training, and actually ultimately to pick up your entire family and leave the city that you, you had been in for several years. So can you tell the story behind that? I can. Um, what happened exactly? I uh, So 2020 was starting to grow. Um, I'd been working with a coach of my own there and in through that work, I, what I found is what I really loved was, um, was kind of stitching together new teams, helping young new managers kind of get up and running and be really effective. And I was a lot less, uh, excited about just building digital products, which is kind of what I've been doing for the last, um, 
or last like decade or something like that. And um, the experience was every day I was showing up at my office, kind of like obsessed over this one team that I was leading and running and um, kind of got the seed planted in my brain of like, could I, could I support 10 or 20 founding teams? Could I, could I be um, popping into a bunch of different offices and supporting a bunch of different people along the way? Um, sort of in tandem with that, um, my wife and I started talking about whether Los Angeles is where we wanted to be long-term and weren't really sure and kind of couldn't quite figure out how to tell uh, where we wanted to be instead. Um, my wife works in healthcare, so as long as there's a hospital around, she can get a job. Um, and I can really work from anywhere doing doing what I do now. So um, we decided to, to, to buy a camper and load the two kids up. They were, uh, let's see, they were four and two at the time and hit the road for about nine months to check out uh, a few different places around the States to see where we might want to live and might, might want to settle down and um, ended up uh, kind of doing a pretty circuitous journey, um, but are now in, in Boulder, Colorado, which has felt really good uh, to have the mountains right outside our door and um, a great community here. And it's been a wild ride. I don't know if we'll be here for a long time, but um could see us being here for for decades and i could see us being here for just a couple of years and either one's totally okay what enabled you to really take that big leap um i just won't settle for the status quo uh, i think to a fault at times but um when we first moved to la my wife and i spent a couple weeks traveling across the country and saw some amazing stuff and sort of always looked at that really fondly and, um, yeah, when we, when we kind of came to the, the realization that Los Angeles might not be the long-term place for us, um, we originally tried, we, we flipped to Portland for a weekend once and, uh, brought the kids to like, just check out and see what, what Oregon is like a little bit. And it was, it was great. And the kids go to bed at seven thirty, So it felt hard to really get a taste for summer when you haven't really been out at nighttime. And, um, we just knew the only way we we're going to really see the States and see a handful of places that we were curious about was to like go and I guess live there. I mean, we camped outside town in the different places we went, but, um, yeah, at the end of the day, we just looked at like our finances and everything. And it was just like, why not do this while we can, um, it was like right before the kids started school and, um, we're just excited for the adventure of it and, uh, went for it. Hmm. So now you are supporting teams as an independent coach. Um, what do you think is the most exciting thing about the work that you do now? Um, what's the most exciting thing about it? I, I really love meeting new people and developing relationships that are full of real intention and, um, and real conversation. So it's not always, um, someone that becomes a client, but there's something special to me about being able to kind of cut through a lot of the the surface talk and even through like some of the stories that we tell ourselves about who we need to be um, to really see what's true for, for a person. And um, I notice that a lot of us have a, a very shared experience of like wanting to find purpose and meaning. And it's also very unique to each individual. So it's, to me, it's fascinating just to hear um, hear what that's like for each person and, and help them see what's possible for them. 
Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. What does purpose and meaning look like for you? Well, you're asking like the big questions. What does purpose and meaning look like for me? Um, the times I experience them most clearly are usually when I'm I'm very present and engaged in the things that are I value. So um, the balance I'm playing with most of the time in my life is what it means to to live uh, a purpose driven life as a father and be really present with my my kids and help them. Uh, really lean into the stuff that they love and the things that get them excited. And uh, the other side of the the balance is, is what it means to continue to have a a career and to do meaningful work and to really see like the, the impact of that work and just finding ways to like make those two really feel good. Um, I think the, the word that strikes me the most is just feeling alive. Like there's this aliveness that, feel when I'm living on purpose and when I'm like heading toward the the things that are true for me. What enables you to feel that aliveness? Like I know you said when you're living on purpose, but like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah, for me, it's, um, it's largely around play and playfulness. So I, I, I realized that a big part of my, my childhood was, um, feeling really on the sidelines and, um, not really feeling like a sense of belonging. So I just spent a lot of time watching other kids having fun, uh, and not really letting myself engage. Cause I was, I was a lot really afraid of, um, I guess just being like found out to be not someone that's worth, uh, knowing. And, um, it was hard. Like my child was really hard for that, that reason. Like I I felt a lot of pain and like that pain kind of creates, creates a wound. And I feel like that my purpose like sits right on top of that wound. Like I explicitly aim to create a world of play by offering connection and belonging to other people and in whatever form that looks like. And uh, when I do that, it feels, it feels really good. That is like one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. <laughs> um, can you say that one more time? <laughs> the whole thing? The like, the, that last bit about like, you offer people. Yeah, my, I, the, my statement of purpose that I, I've come to is that I make the world our playground by offering connection and belonging. So... I create a, a world, or my aim at least, is to create a world of, of play. And um, in play, everyone can kind of show up as themselves and contribute in their own unique way. And the game can kind of be formed and shaped by each individual uh, versus uh, a lot of my experience has been thinking there's all these rules and ways that I need to be and show up in order to, to belong. And I just... I don't, I think that's all kind of kind of bullshit. And um, I, I just want more people to play with. Mm. Okay. So I think this is so interesting because, you know, you work in the world of like building businesses. And I think business and play are two words that most people would not use together in the same sentence. So I really want to hear like, where do those two things meet for you? Yeah, so um, I I believe there's there's sort of this magnetism to being an entrepreneur that's that has existed for a while and continues to keep getting amplified. And I 
some of this is my own experience, but I see it playing out in a lot of other people too, where you choose to go down that path because it feels like the way that you have the ability to create what you want to create and both the life that you want and the work that you do and the way that you show up. Um, oh, yeah. And, um, I think it's largely about like, how can you really lean into that and really acknowledge that that's possible? Um, so in a business, there's, there's ways that some people get into this mode of just chasing metrics and trying to chase the money and trying to make it all work. And that's like, to me, the, uh, the world's way, I guess, the world's way of business, which I think there's some truth to that. But the money, uh, that side really comes from providing value by like, creating something that enables other people to live uh, a more meaningful life and to pursue the things that they value. And if you can align those or like see that that's a possibility, then there's a different mode to be in, or at least that you can be in, where you're actually um, not only living in alignment with what you want, but you're helping other people do the same. If that makes sense. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think what I'm hearing is that it's the human side of business. Like, yes, the metrics and like the bottom line, all of those things are important. But without really fostering and supporting the human side of business, you lose a lot of things in the process. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to found something, if you're going to start something, the reason you should do that isn't, well, I think there's two modes. I think the mode that most people act in is a mode of, is they get into is a mode of fear, which is I'm not going to be able to pay the bills or I'm not going to make this work or the mountain's too high and I can't climb it versus now I have a space in which or a blank canvas that I can paint and create like whatever it is that I want to create. And in that, in that model, you, you still need to be creating something that's a value. If you're, if it's not a hobby and it is a business, you need to create something that's a value. So, so that it's actually sustainable, but like right in there, like creating a sustainable business that like allows you to paint what you want to paint, create what you want to create and create value for other people. Like that's, uh, that's what's beautiful. That's what's possible. As long as you hold true to that and hold on to that. So when you think of the word creativity, what does that mean to you? There's a lot of things I can, I can go to. I, I think the thing that comes up first is following my curiosity. I'm usually curious about some um, medium, whether it's writing or Lately, it's been watercolors in our house has been a big part of creation. And um, and then just seeing what happens. Um, there's also a big part of it that's like really leaning into a beginner's mindset that's really helpful for me. Like I, I have some stories that I need to be great at everything. And a lot of times that keeps me from leaning into creativity where I can just be curious about what I'm capable of. Um, not only in seeing like what that first version is and almost like how bad it is because um, I do have a sense of like taste and can tell like, wow, what I just made really isn't great. But also being able to see like, huh, if I practice this, like if I really lean into like doing this and getting great at it, I can see like where that can head, where that can lead, which is why it's so helpful to have other um, creators that like you're paying attention to or that like inspire you or that you you see like their journey. Mm. 
I I love that you brought that up because um, I think that's actually something that you, like when you and I were working together, I think that's something that you actually helped me a lot with is um, leaning into that beginner's mindset and like in the process of business building, like learning to just experiment and try things. Um, and actually, if I think back to it, I feel like that might have been even the start of this podcast was just like, I feel like you and I had been having a lot of those conversations. And one day I was like, you know what, this is something I've been thinking about for like ages, and I just want to do it. <laughs> and so I just like, started it one day. <laughs> and here we are a year and a half later. Yeah, here we are. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's really can be tricky because you, you, you know, there's like the, the inspiration and then inspiration can quickly become comparison. Like this is something that I, I for sure struggle with and I see all the time and, and clients and just people I interact with. Like you'll see, like in the case of your podcast, you, there's some podcasts that you probably listened to that really inspired you and was really formative and like shaped you. And that podcast was likely built on top of a couple of years of not only learning of like what tools and systems and format and all that stuff. So it's like really polished and feels great. And you can see some like creative mastery behind it. And then it creates the spark of inspiration of like, huh, maybe I could do that. And then as soon as you start to step toward doing it, uh, comparison can creep in really fast. And it's like, am I good enough? Can I do this good enough? And I can't. You can't just like wave a magic wand and short circuit all the learning. Like you can maybe take some like pieces that you can see, but um, you have to be in that beginner mindset to be able to like learn your own way. Um, Cause otherwise you're just trying to be like somebody else and not actually being yourself. And the podcast can be the medium, but there's your own, uh, your own version of that, like your own unique um, artistry on top of that. That's what's important. Mm. Yeah. And as I'm sharing this, I'm feeling like I need to take <laughs> these are those times when I feel like I'm saying things that I need to like take my own advice to. <laughs> which I like. Which is well, part of the you know, <laughs> we are recording this podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll be listening to this. <laughs> so you can like, go back and be like, okay, Todd. what was that that I said? <laughs> um Yeah. So I, I think it's it's a really interesting point that like there is um I feel like it's sort of a constant, like, tightrope walk almost. Like, that's maybe the wrong analogy because I feel like a tightrope walk is something that seems, like, scary and stressful. <laughs> and the idea is for it to not be scary. and Well, maybe a little bit scary, but, like, not so much stressful. Um, but when I say that, I think what I mean is, like, there is that really fine balance between keeping that beginner's mindset um, and like being willing to sort of play and experiment and um, like not let yourself get held back by all the different ways that you're not able to make it perfect right now. Um, But also like in that process of play at some point, you know, getting to the point of like, creating something of quality. Um, and I think that's something that I've honestly struggled with, with this podcast over time. It's like, I know that this podcast could be better in, in a myriad different ways. Like when I listen to other podcasts, you know, as you said, like I'm constantly comparing, 
this podcast to like all the different podcasts that I listen to. Um, and I know that there's so many different things that I could do to improve it, but there's a balance of like, how do I keep this something that is joyful to me, that is useful to other people. And also that like is something of good quality that I'm putting out into the world, but like not to the extent that it is getting in the way of my ability to do other things. And like, how do you find that balance and keep that balance? Yeah, I mean, the first question I'd ask is like, what is quality? Like, what what does that mean to you? So, um, I noticed that I'm I'm layering my own meaning on that of it being like production value or um, how good the intro music is or how great the images that are tied to each episode look, and on and on and on. And there's time for all of that. Like, there's time to improve that, but the improvement needs to come from um, one. It needs to come from within. So it needs to come from Dina. Like, this is what I want. This is what I feel compelled to do. This is the next step for me and seeing where I can get this. And, um, and this is just a loop back to like business. Like if there needs to be value in what's being created, if you're, if that's the aim, like if it's purely just a, a hobby or something you want to do for fun, then that's one thing. But, you know, if people are listening to this and saying, like, these are really great. And the the conversation, you know, that you and Todd had, like that really inspired me or that really changed the way I think. Like those are the early signs that like, there's something here, like something's being created. That's like a value that's resonant. That's um, really working. And I think like that for, for me, like my experience is like when I can get that feedback, like, oh, there's something here that's like, like hitting the point for the people like that is what lights the fire in me to say like, all right, what's the next step for me in terms of like raising the quality, which could be, uh, I don't know, more compelling guests, or it could be a different format, or it could be better production, but and any of those are are fine, but it's got to be, it's got to come from a place of like, real truth and value. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. It's like that incremental, like, uh, especially for something like a podcast or building a business or whatever, like, that's a long term project. Um, and I feel like it's sort of this constant process of like, um, seeking that balance and like continuing to improve while having fun and while trying to maintain a little bit of a playful, um, attitude towards it. Because I think also like, I mean, you and I have both had experiences with burnout and like, I think, when you lose that playful element, that's part of when it sort of things start to head down that road towards burnout. Yeah, I totally agree. When it becomes, for me, burnout came when the work became a duty and became something I had to do for, for mostly for the story I told myself was it was something I had to do for others and it, it wasn't for myself anymore. It just became like a trying to survive in the midst of chaos instead of, instead of like being on the playground and like playing and creating and saying like, all right, here's where I'm at right now. And I'm feeling really stressed out. I feel like I'm in the midst of chaos and like, what am I going to do about that? And like taking back my power, there's like a powerlessness that I've, um, I've been in for like long periods of time and I for sure still get back in there. But like, that's the the shift for me is like to step back into like my power to, and, and get back into a mode of like 
what is it that I want here? And what am I going to do about it? What's the next step that I'm going to do about it? How do you maintain that sense of, of play? And how do you like shift back to your power when things start getting tough? Mm, I don't know if I have like the answer. Um, a lot of it for me starts in my own, in my own body and like how connected I am to myself. So I I know that the days that I wake up early and have my morning routine, um, that really helps me like get clear with both that I'm here, um, find something that's like actually starts to like inspire me and get me excited and get clear on like what it is that I mostly want to do that day a lot of times those I can frame those as needs but it's more important for me to like frame them as like this is what I want to do and it may be I have to reply to that email but I want to do that because I want to be someone that's consistent and shows up and really being able to frame that so it comes from within is a huge deal for me and it seems like so basic and I don't do it all the time but that's where it starts is like it needs to start with Todd because if the world's like doing it to me or my to-do list is doing it to me, then I just get into a totally different place where it's like, I get into that like duty mode. I think that's interesting because it's like, when I think about, you know, all the different guests that I have on this podcast, right? Like I was just interviewing Marissa and Heather who co-founded um, this online community called Carve Out Time for Art. And they're very specifically like artists, right? Um, like creating works of art. And I, I think on this podcast, you know, my aim is to feature people who are practicing creativity in so many different ways. And I think that that's one of the interesting things where sort of like creativity in business versus creativity in art sort of diverge a little bit because business is ultimately at the end of the day, like it has this much larger thing about like you're offering something to other people in a like very deliberately, whereas art often is just created for yourself. But also, even if your sort of practice of creativity is more about art and less about business, I think that battle of like, not battle, but like that tendency to uh, do things because of sort of external um, expectations or like, that I, I need, I need to do things for other people versus doing things for myself can get in the way of making that time to, to make art. Does that make sense? I, I feel like I'm, I like had a very clear idea in my head and <laughs> I'm not sure that it came out totally clearly. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I haven't really thought about this a lot. I, I would push on the notion that business and art are different because I, I think our lives are, are, an exercise in self-expression and how we do that, like what the vehicles we use, like business or art or however we might like put them in different boxes. Like there's still forms of self-expression. The beauty and the reason I lean into to business and always have is that it is, it can be self-expression at scale. There's, there's a market feedback mechanism that, that generates uh, in most cases it generates revenue and that revenue can be fed back in to then scale scale that possibility of like whatever it is that you want to create, like what it is you're trying to do with your self expression. Now, I, I don't think most people live that way. So I don't think I don't think many businesses are run in that manner. But 
you still, if, if you're creating art for yourself, I don't know why you wouldn't also create a business for yourself. That's true. Yeah. And in that model, I, I don't know, for me, I, I notice right now I'm wanting to, I'm wanting everything that I do to feel like I'm taking out a blank canvas and painting on it always. Maybe that's overly simplifying or, or romanticizing, but that's where I want to lean. I think that's a pretty good place to lean. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm going to actually step back on what I, my, my agreement earlier about if you're making art for yourself, like why wouldn't you just make it as a business? Because I do think that there's uh to go back to what we were talking earlier about play, like I think that it is important that we have spaces where we can play without the pressure of needing it to result in something profitable. Like, and I think this is also true of, of business as well. Like I, I would agree with you that there's, there are a lot of, there is a lot of overlap in terms of creativity and business and creativity and art. But I think when we start to, when we start to like put pressure on the playtime to like be something perfect, be something marketable, be something that, you know, we would feel good selling, like that's when we, we like put up barriers to our own creativity. Um, and so I think, I don't know, I guess I'm wondering, like, maybe not wondering, I know that there needs to be a period of time where you're playing for the sake of playing and you're not putting that pressure on yourself. Uh, and then after, you know, at some point that play will probably result in something that's worth sort of taking further and making a business out of or whatever. But yeah, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that sort of like where that line is between allowing yourself to play without the pressure of it needing to be something that will earn an income. Does yeah. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, reading between the lines a little bit, like the, so there are bills to pay. Like there, there is like a livelihood to maintain for, for each individual. And that's real. And I just think like getting really down to the essence is where this stuff can get clear. So like, what is the purpose behind what's being made? So if it's, I want to make a piece of art, I'm going to get a canvas out and get my paintbrushes out because I want to make this for myself. Uh, that's, that's totally fine. Go do that. Purpose is clear. And then if you look into like your work, there's some part of the purpose that is, um, being able to pay the bills, like being able to maintain a livelihood or the lifestyle that you want. And for sure that comes into play, but there's, there's also, in my view, a possibility that, that you can be, your purpose can be bigger, like that you want to have an impact in people's lives in some way. And that's why you're creating the, the business. And then like to me, this is the beauty of like the market is the market gives you feedback to let you know if you're creating the value and if you're creating the value, then the money comes in and then that can provide the livelihood. But you need to be, it's important to be clear on like why you're doing what you're doing because it's, otherwise it can really easily diverge into this place of like, I just, it's just about the money. It's just about having enough profit to pay the bills. 
And that's a place of like, <clears throat> it's hard to play in that place because you're going to feel like your back's against the wall versus um, I'm going to see what I can create that's a value here. And can I really amplify that? And can I really scale that in a way that like is meaningful to other people? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's a, a line and you're like, now I'm on the not play line and I got to get down to like, get down to business so I can pay the bills and I'm going to do the things that I don't want to do. And I think they can actually be really well aligned. Right. I think it's essentially, it's like giving away your power when you're putting yourself in that m- mindset. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, I mean, there's for sure, it, it depends on the stage. Like for, I remember when I first started uh, the company we founded in Los Angeles that ended up becoming like a decent business. Like I, I had a few like consulting gigs I was doing on the side to pay the bills. And I was like really clear that I'm doing this so that I have enough money to pay the bills so that I can try to create a, a real organization and a real company that actually has the impact that I want and creates the lifestyle that I want. Or I'm like, maybe there's a trade-off there and there's like a little bit of a mode of uh, I'm doing this to get this other stuff done. But um, I don't I don't know if I see that as any different than like when I'm done painting, I got to clean my paintbrushes out or they're going to fall apart. And like maybe that's not the most like amazing part of it, but it still is a piece of enabling what it is that I really want. And if I'm clear on that, then I'm not just chasing the money all the time. I'm not just building a business just to just for paying the bills. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Todd, I'm curious in your journey of business building and shifting and coaching, um, what are some of the biggest lessons that you have learned along the way? I need a moment to think on that. Um, the biggest lessons I've learned, probably the, the hardest learning has been to almost always lean into authenticity and vulnerability. Um, the more I, the less, sorry, the less I bottled things up inside of me and tried to hide them or tried to pretend like everything was like great, uh, the more alone I felt, the less out of my power I felt, the less supported I felt. Uh, the more I felt back on like the sidelines of the playground, watching everyone else having a great time. Um, and the more I can just say like, here's what's true for me and here's what I want. That's, that was a huge deal. Um, especially with leading people. There's a dynamic that happens. And as you start to build out a team in an organization where like, you're sort of like a de facto leader in a way, because everyone's like, you paired them and they come work for your company. But, um, people can like really see through like when you're posturing or faking it. And I think a lot of times people can see like your pain and your doubt and not that those things are bad. A lot of times they're actually really great just to like be real with. And um, I've been really surprised in general, how, how um, empathetic and like how great humans are to rally around you and like support you. And then um I think the, I think the other probably big one is just around um, around self care and really taking care of yourself. That there, there's a some of my worst times have been when I feel like I am never doing enough, and I just keep convincing myself to get back to work and keep doing more and more and more and get really busy. And um, I'm just not effective in that mode. Like it's not the it's not the way that I actually produce. It's not the way that I actually add value. It's not the way that I want to live. And um, There'll be these times where like months are just rolling by and I'm, I'm like, what, what am I, 
what am I doing? And um, usually I just need to stop. And uh, for me, it's like, I just need to go for a hike and like get out in the woods and like not have my phone around and really feel um, kind of this like that like still small voice inside me that's telling me who I am and what I really want. I think those are probably the two big ones. Hmm. And to like bottom line that it's just like it, uh, it all comes from within. I I look for, I look for the answers outside of myself so much in my life and uh, it all leadership, uh, who you are, what you want, uh, how you're going to create it all. It all comes from within. Yeah. It's like self-knowledge, self-awareness, self-care. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your story and your reflections. Um, If somebody wanted to learn more about you and find you on the internet, where would they go? Yeah, so my website's my name, T-O-D-D-E-M-A-U-S.com. And I publish thoughts there regularly. Twitter's another place I'm... I don't know, fairly active. Those are probably the two spots. And um, yeah, I mean, if anybody if, if anybody that's listening to this would value having a conversation, like as I said, I, I really like to meet new people. So I'm happy to, to chat anytime with anybody. Awesome. And if they want, if they're interested in doing that, they can uh, connect with you through your website. Yep. Or, website, through, or through or Twitter, I guess. Twitter. Yep. Either one's fine. Awesome. Thank you so much, Todd. It's really been a pleasure having you on the on the show. Thanks, Tina. Great to be with you thank you so much for listening to another episode of everyday creative people i hope you enjoyed today's show please don't forget to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast leave a comment and make sure you tell your friends to come listen and remember we'll be back with another episode next monday 